Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. The book of Joel in the Old Testament is a short three-chapter book. The entirety of it is a prophecy of the last days. Chapter 1 talks about how dire and difficult this time period will be. How the wrath of God will be poured out in fire and judgment, just like in the time of Sodom and Gomorrah. And in chapter 3, we see the hope that is on the other side of this event when New Jerusalem comes and is set up and the Messiah reigns and rules the earth. And there is blessing and provision poured out from God to and through the faithful remnant. But chapter 2 is a little perplexing because there is a mixture of both what will happen and what seems to be a reprieve or a redemption from it. The ending of chapter 1 talks about the wrath of God being poured out, the fires, these things that will happen at the time of judgment. Chapter 2 moves into explaining the great frightfulness of what this will look like. And then in chapter 12, we see this amazing thing. It says, Therefore, Also now saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all of your heart, with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. Rend your heart and not your garment, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing Behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord, your God. Why is this placed right in the middle of this description of the wrath that will come at the end of the last days? Remember, this is the Old Testament. And we're told at the end of the book of Malachi that there would come a time where the wrath of God would be ready to be poured out upon the earth but that God would do something unexpected, that he would turn the hearts of the children back to the father and the heart of the father back to the children so that he would not have to come and smite the earth with a curse. This was done through Jesus. The wrath of God was meant to be poured out on the earth in his time, but he stepped in and took it for us All of it was poured out on him personally, directly, and he gave us his righteousness. He gave us a reprieve. He stayed the time. He left us a meat and a drink offering unto God, his flesh and his blood. Again, verse 14 says, who knows if he will repent and leave behind a meat and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. You see, we know that the disciples of Jesus believed that this prophecy was being fulfilled in their time because it was. Even Paul himself tells us in Romans chapter 9, verse 27 through 29, that Elijah cried concerning Israel. Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sands of the sea, only a remnant shall be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And Elijah said before, except the Lord of the Sabbath had left us a seed, 
we would have been as Sodom, and been made just like Gomorrah. They understood that the judgment had come, the fullness of time had come. Jesus stepped in and drank that cup for us, to give us an extension. Now, knowing that the disciples and early followers of Jesus had a full understanding of the time that they were in, they would have been reading through Joel. And we know that they did because Peter plainly said when the Spirit was poured out at Pentecost that this was the fulfillment of what was written in Joel chapter 2. So I have to believe that when that 120 people sat in that upper room praying and believing, they were clinging to these words. In verse 15, it says, Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breast, let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altars, and let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach, that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, Where is their God? Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Could it be this solemn assembly, this gathering, was happening? In that upper room. Because it says that if they do this, the Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I will send you wheat and wine and oil, and ye shall be satisfied therewith. And I will no more make you a reproach among the heathen. Now understand that wheat represents God's people. Wine represents the blood. And oil represents the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He said if they're willing to gather to assemble, even in the face of judgment, that instead God would give a blessing of an abundance of souls, a harvest through the power of the blood and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. He says, fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. How amazing a prophecy, how confusing it must have been for those reading it, looking forward, not understanding that Jesus would step in and stay the judgment and cause an entire dispensation to be squeezed between chapter one and chapter three of this prophecy. Right in the middle of all of this destruction and talk about the wrath that was coming. He says that if this happens, you don't have to be afraid, O beast of the field, of the pastures and of the wilderness. There will be much fruitfulness. Be glad then, O ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. You see, there are two main rains that come in Israel, the former rains 
or moderate. They come at the time to prepare the ground for the planting. But the latter rains, they come with a greater outpouring right before the harvest to ripen the fruit and prepare the fields for harvest. God gave them revival instead of judgment. And the scripture tells us that it was his delight to do this. It's hard for us to understand how the scriptures can say that it was his delight to bruise his son. No, it's not something that he wanted to have to do, but it was his delight that he was willing to. That there might be a seed for a whole new planting season. When Peter said that these things were fulfilled at Pentecost, that was the moderate former rain. It was there to water the seed, to help it to take root and grow and spread. But there is a latter rain coming, but also a judgment. Because the latter rain comes to prepare the field for harvest. Says that it shall come to pass that when these things happen, the Lord will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaidens in those days will I pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens, in the earth, blood and fire and pillar of smoke. And the sun shall be turned unto darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance. As the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom he shall call. You see, this is an amazing thing. All throughout scripture, when we get a description of the beginning of the pouring out of the wrath of God, it is always marked by the earthquake and vapor of smoke, the sun being darkened and the moon being turned to blood. Remember, this was supposed to happen when Jesus walked the earth. When he was nailed to that cross, and the earth shook, and the sun went black, that was the moment that the wrath of God was poured out. It was meant for us. It was meant for the land. It would have destroyed everything if Jesus had not interceded. He stood between, and it was poured on him instead. He drank of all of it on our behalf. The beauty of Joel chapter 2 is that it describes wrath and then we see how Jesus stated and brought revival in its place. But at the end of the chapter it comes back again because just like Nineveh, which got a reprieve, it eventually turned back to its sin and wickedness and that period of mercy ended. The same thing will happen for this world this dispensation of grace will come to an end. Yet does God always provide a way of escape from it? A safe haven. The ark of the covenant of the blood of Jesus. New Jerusalem that will come 
where at the end of this chapter it tells us that there will be safety and deliverance, manned by a humble, lowly, holy remnant. If you think about it, that happened even in the time of Jesus. God always chooses the least of these, those who believe him and seek him and serve and obey and desire to please him. It happened before, my friend. It will happen again. Yet through it all do we see this pattern of redemption. Oh, how great is his faithfulness. The sun was darkened at the crucifixion. All the wrath was poured out on Jesus. Then the resurrection. Isaiah tells us of this safe haven that God has created for the remnant in this time of judgment in chapter 25, verse 1, where it says, O Lord, thou art my God, I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name, for thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels of old are faithful and true, for thou hast made a city a heap and a defensed city a ruin. Now understand, this is explaining what has happened through the outpouring of the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience, upon their cities and their safe havens, the places that they have built trying to out-engineer the judgment. Oh, they will tell you that you have to be part of their system. You've got to take their mark to get into it. They're going to protect you from this great calamity. But the word of God is clear. It won't survive it. It says they will be in ruins. The palaces and fortresses of the strangers shall be no city anymore. And it shall never be built back again. Therefore shall the strong people glorify thee. The city of the terrible nations shall fear thee. For thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat. All of these great and terrible things that will be coming upon the earth, all of the works and labors of man's hands will not protect them from it, yet the Lord himself will be a fortress, a safe place, and a defender of the defenseless. He will be a shadow from the terrible heat. How amazing is our king. He'll be a protection from the blast of the terrible ones when they blast us a storm against a wall. Thou shalt bring down the noise of the strangers, as the heat in a dry place, even the heat with the shadow of a cloud. And the branch of the terrible ones shall be brought low. And in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, of wines on the lees well-refined, in the midst of this utter destruction, God will have a place of refuge and feasting for the believing and faithful children of the kingdom. 
and he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations and will swallow up death in victory and the Lord God will wipe away the tears from off all faces and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all of the earth for the Lord hath spoken it and it shall be said in that day lo this is our God we have waited for him and he will save us this is the Lord we have waited for him we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation oh God we thank you we praise you today for your great faithfulness this message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries to learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.